In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Quality Matters brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Today, we are talking about a little bit of a different topic, not quite in our normal realm to discuss on the Quality Matters podcast. We're going to be talking about recession and whether it's what we're in is deemed a recession or not. I think we all feel it uh, to some degree or another, and there's obviously a high likelihood re official recession is headed our way. So what does that mean? for our businesses? What does it mean specifically for small, mid-sized businesses? And how can we use this to our benefit rather than our detriment like we saw, especially during the last downturn with COVID or the you know Great Recession in, in 2008? So today, we've got one of our favorite guests returning here. This is uh, Mark LaCour, and he is just an absolute wealth of information uh, for, for great innovative ideas for businesses. So Mark... Welcome to the podcast. Dude, thank you, number one. Number two, don't set me up like that. <laughs> I'm just another <laughs> small business owner in the oil and gas industry, but great to be on the show again. Great to see you again. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're both small business owners here, and I think we, we have a little bit of a unique perspective. And I know that you deal a lot with, honestly, who most of my clients um you work with their customers, right? And so we, we've got a kind of an, an interesting perspective here. So I'm really kind of interested to see where uh, where it comes today. Obviously, I've got the uh, quote up here: "Recession is uh, opportunity in Wolf's clothing." So, you know, let let's talk how how can business owners make the most use of this really kind of nasty downturn that looks like is here and headed this way if it's not already. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. And I really want to be wrong about this. Um, but <laughs> all the signs I'm seeing is that we're headed toward a recession. We think it's going to hit first Q 2023. Have other yep. people say it's hit a little bit earlier, the last quarter of this year. Um, but, but regardless, your quote is spot on. It, it, everything that changes, when there's change in progress in the business world, it's always opportunity. But you, sometimes that means you have to get ahead of it. So we've already started doing stuff, uh, Kyle, uh, in anticipation of a recession. One of the first things we did is, is we have repeat customers, right? So we don't sell widgets. We sell subscriptions. Yep. Um, and so what we've done is we've locked a lot of our clients up in long-term contracts and offered them a, a price freeze because we go up on our rates every year um, and trade for a long-term contract. Now, a lot of people go, well, Mark, you, you just threw money away. If the recession doesn't hit, you're absolutely right. I did just throw yep. money away. However, if a recession hits, I have guaranteed revenue, bookable, forecastable revenue. Yep. The other thing we did, Kyle, is we got rid of our, a lot of our lower margin offerings because, quite frankly, mm -hmm. I don't want my sales team selling uh, products that only make 10 or 12% margin during a recession. Um, and <laughs> so we actually added some higher, much higher margin products uh, to the mix. 
once again, anticipation that my sales team is going to score less deals because of the recession. So I want those deals to make more money, if that makes sense. You know? And then finally, Absolutely. my biggest piece of advice, and I can't claim to own this. I stole this from Walt Disney. May you rest in peace. <laughs> um, but he started Disney World during the Great Depression. And what he yeah. was genius at. I shouldn't say not Disney World. He started Walt Disney, the corporation, mm -hmm. during the Great Depression. And what he realized is when people are scared, uh, when there's financial crisis, when you're in a recession, a depression, they still want to be entertained, right? They want to, for a minute, watch a movie and, and be removed yep. from the day-to-day -day stresses. And so we're yep. starting to offer more entertainment offerings so that yep. we can, if we lose some of our more scientific shows, we actually have stuff that entertains people that's lifestyle type stuff. So... Um, yeah, that's some of the stuff that we're doing here. But the biggest Pretty thing cool. to your point is, is you got to think differently than when times are, are abundant, when money's you know, yep. all over the place. No, and we ran into the same type of thing. So uh, our business model today versus two, three years ago, completely different. I mean, if you saw me five years ago, you see me today, it's, it's not the same business at, at all. Um, this, the spirit and the mission hasn't changed, but how we go about it is totally changed. So it's the same thing that you're saying is we start an offering, um, subscription service on as much as is possible. Even our one time projects, like a consultation program, we've broken up into like equal monthly payments for so long because we want to make it as simple and easy for folks as, as predictable as possible for folks. Cause when, right. you know, your cash flows up and down and you know that a bad month is just going to wreck you, you need to know what to predict. So I, I definitely think that the more predictable, the more easy to understand you can make it for your clients. I mean, that absolutely, uh, absolutely the better. Now you were talking yeah. about some, entertainment um, options. Is this anything you're at liberty to uh, discuss yet? So we have a show coming out called Food and Energy, and it's the connection between energy and food. Now, you know, cool. and if your audience doesn't know this about us, we, we focus on the oil and gas industry. Um, and so in the oil and gas industry, anytime there's business or a conference or an expo, there is always food involved. There's a history behind that. <laughs> but you have barbecues and tacos and briskets. Oh, right? yeah. And so this podcast that we're going to launch is going to be about that connection. And we're going to have food bloggers follow us. Right. And we collect recipes from the from the barbecue masters. And so even though it's going to be about the energy industry, it's going to be fun. Um, you cool. know, we're gonna might have some insta mob insta uh, people out there, you know, following us around as well. So it, it's literally <laughs> gonna be a lifestyle type show, and we have several of those in the works. The food and energy one is already out there, so I don't mind talking about the other ones. I have to keep quiet for now. <laughs> well, so let's talk about this. And what are so I think we're in agreement that subscription models kind of a little bit out there ideas than what we may have gone for before. Good, obviously, there's risk that comes with all of this. But, um, well, here, I'll give a little bit of background kind of change we made with us. Maybe we can talk about some hypothetical changes other businesses can make. So when we first started out, the company was in 2013, and I was building servers on my dining room table, right? And very expensive, one-time deployments, very customized, very, very fine-tuned to the individual customer. But, you know, that made a lot of sense because the economy is doing pretty well at this point in time. You know, and I kind of followed that same model for a while and we moved everything to the cloud, but it was still very big, rather expensive, one time, highly customized deployment. But uh, as soon as COVID hit, those uh, pocketbooks closed real quick. And it's even if they thought it was worth the money, it was too much of a one time risk because what off on the 5% chances isn't what we need. We just blew it all. And so right. we've gone to where we offer everything on a 30 day, 30 day out. 
You give us 30 day written notice. We're done. No harm, no foul, no strings attached. But um, yeah, we actually do the same thing with our contracts and we do it to minimize risk for our clients. No mm -hmm. matter what happens, if they lose budget, if we have another pandemic, if they don't like me, <laughs> they can send yeah. me an email. No question asked and out of the contract and, and buyers love this, especially new buyers. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So but what Kyle, are some I want to touch something traditional. Oh, go ahead. No, I just want to touch something that you ran through that I want to back you up a little bit. Um, so one of the other things, and this is only applies if you deal with large corporations, is they basically have two budgets. They have a CapEx budget, which is the budget process they do every year. They basically put a line item of what they want to spend money on, how much it's going to cost, and then upper management has to approve it. And that's usually the budgets that salespeople try to hit, the CapEx budget, right? Well, during right. Uh, a recession time, those CapEx budgets, we all know, are going to be constrained. So things like yep. marketing is one of the first things that could be cut. However, mm -hmm. Kyle, when you move people from buying your physical servers to the cloud, what you may not have realized is you now move their spend to their OPEX budget. Yep. So their operational budget, the budget that pays for the electricity and the rent for the space yep. and everything else. Nobody critiques That doesn't OPEX get cut budget. so easy. Yeah. So if you can rent your clients, your buyer stuff, instead of sell them stuff, you can move it to their mm -hmm. OPEX budget. And here's the genius, Kyle. Most of, most of the buyers of your client don't even know that. So you basically can help yeah. them understand how they can buy stuff that during hard times, they normally can't get the approval to buy just by renting yep. it to them instead of selling it to them and moving it from the CapEx to the OPEX budget. That's a great strategy that a lot of salespeople just don't understand. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And, you know, I think that's part of, uh, and, you know, don't want to get too far in the political world here, but people see so much about the, you know, profits that uh, oil and gas companies are making right now. They're like, they're making record profits while gas is sky high. I'm like, yeah, they're making record profits, but it's because they completely cut out that capital expenditure from their budgets. They're not spending money that they otherwise would spend if they had hope of a return. Yeah, well, I don't want to go too deep down this, but a couple things. So first thing, audience, ExxonMobil and Shell owns no gas stations in the U.S., so they're not raping yeah. you at the pump. That's just market uh, <laughs> determines pump price. The other thing is that the industry for almost 10 years lost money. So when the mm -hmm. rebound comes, they have to make money because they owe it yep. to their shareholders and to their employees. Yep. They're not. Yeah. They're, we're not a public service, right? And the market right. dictates the price of the pump, nothing else. But uh, we're, off, you we're know, getting off are, down the rabbit hole, though, Kyle. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, but I think it has a little bit to do with, it, though, is, is it changes the way that companies, you know, buy and and spend their resources when things are down. And our outside perception may not be totally accurate of what's going on inside that that organization. A hundred percent. Yep. But, um, you know, so we talk about subscription service. So obviously it makes a little bit of sense for my company because we do we've added our fractional quality management program, which is a, a monthly support plan where we step in and take over the role as a part time quality manager for you. So we've been able to do that with a little more ease than I think a lot of other teams would. But if you're a traditional manufacturer, if you're selling widgets, um, you know, whether this is someone doing pipe spools, um, building skids you know, uh, pressure, uh, equipment, like what are some options that these folks have here to maximize on this downturn that I think we all believe is coming? So let's pick a product. So we stay on track. Let's pick something like a, a, a pump, right? So traditionally, uh, if you sell pumps, uh, to, to whatever part of the industry, you're somewhat commoditized, right? Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the buyers buy on price. They may buy on, mm -hmm. on specs and performance and warranty, but price is probably the main driver. 
Um, yep. nothing as long as those minimums are hit elsewhere, it, sometimes yeah. it just doesn't yeah. make a difference. Yeah. And so in that commoditized world, it's hard to make enough margin to give yourself leeway to do other things. So my suggestion, if you were a pump salesperson, is instead of looking at yourself as the low price leader of, of trying to win business during a recession by being cheaper than everybody else, why don't you do something different? So why don't you take that same pump and instead of selling it, number one, lease it. Now you can move mm -hmm. to the, the, the uh, OPEX budget. But number two, if you're a salesperson or a sales engineer around that pump, what's in your head is unbelievably valuable, right? So while your mm -hmm. competitors are trying to uh, uh, undercut your cost, undercut your price, and they sell and they go move on the next client, why don't you stay there at a little bit higher margin and help them and educate them? Yep. You know, like. I know for 20, I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm imagining I'm a pump salesman. And I know that if you don't have <laughs> extra bolt kits uh, in stock on your own warehouse shelves, that even if I see a new pump, you may not be able to mount it because you don't have the bolt yep. kit. Well, there's me using my expertise to make sure they stay online, make sure they have more uptime, right? So by being the expert, bringing that expertise to your clients, you can take something that's a commodity and flip it around to where it's not a commodity. Now, I know salespeople that you're going, Mark, I have to explain this to my sales manager. He's not going to get it. He will get it. If you pull it off and he sees that you're making an extra $150,000, $300,000 a month from these clients because you're uh -huh. staying there and helping them with their facilities, he will get yep. it. Right Now, if you are a salesperson doing that, make sure you negotiate your compensation to reflect that, <laughs> you know, that, that longer-term revenue stream than just the hit on the sale. Yep. 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 You know, and that's something that we've had a little bit of a hard time here figuring out as well is because the uh, traditional commission model, just you throw it out the window once you start doing these subscription type services. And it really does yeah, become more of that true account management type role. A hundred percent. And, and, um, the personality traits are different between those two types of salespeople, the, the mm -hmm. hunter and the farmer, you'll hear it called. Um, and, and, and you can, there, there's some people that can do both okay but i'm just telling you now nobody does both really well so you're either one or the other <laughs> you know in my day i was a hunter i was really good at it. i was horrible at making sure our clients stayed happy but here at OGGN, <laughs> I'm, we're having no this is it's really the truth um, oh. i wanted to go to the next kill right but here at yeah. OGGN, i have a salesperson uh, that runs our sales efforts that has become more of the farmer and and yeah. we, what we do is we take our post which are the point of contact with all of our clients and make sure each month they touch base with our clients to make sure that happy if, if you follow that, if you make sure your customer satisfaction is better than your competitors, as we head into this recession, you will keep business and probably earn yep. business that they won't. Yep. They're still trying to make the big kills. And those big kills just about disappear during the recession. Yeah, no, no, ab absolutely. And, you know, I like the point you made earlier, too, about, you know, you're, you're effectively sacrificing the increased profits and gains for next year, but you're getting added security going into the year next year. Yep. And so, and the know, other thing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the other thing we're doing, Kyle, and this sounds counterproductive, but during a recession, businesses uh, have limited cash flow or less cash flow. Uh, their margins tend to go down and they're ripe for acquisition, especially if they're mm -hmm. scared, especially if yeah. they're looking at their, their cash flow projection to go, I'm going to run out of money in six months, right? So we've right. also set aside money for acquisitions for next year. We, mm -hmm. we are going to buy other companies that are similar to ours because we know we can pick them up for pennies on the dollar. But the only way I can do that, Kyle, is to plan now to put a little cash aside so that a year yep. from now I can capitalize on that. So if, if you're in a place where you have a lot of competitors, or, or any competitors out there, you can actually use a recession to grow your business 
uh, which none of your competitors will be thinking about whatsoever. So it's just another <laughs> another little thing to look at is, yeah. is to your point, to your quote, that's an unbelievably great opportunity to pick up other parts of the business to add to yours for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been looking at uh, adding uh, safety services in here as well. Something that I've thought about for a lot of years, but honestly, the market for safety consultants and professionals is so overly saturated that it's become a commodity is it's well, unless you're working in a real niche area that requires a lot of specific skills and expertise, the the monthly safety management world has just been saturated. But what I've seen is during COVID, a lot of those consultants either retired or they went and got a regular job because they needed that security. And so we're kind of seeing that opening up. But these are the type of things that folks really have to be looking at is who else either directly in our path um, has fallen out of the way, maybe created a gap we could fill, or who else in a very close parallel path so that we're not going too far out of our comfort zone, but who in a close parallel path has also fallen away that we might could step in with uh, the, the right talents or skills or processes or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Watching the bigger guys in your space and waiting for them to make a mistake and make a misstep is, is a great way <laughs> to capture some market share. And then once again, when times are great, big companies don't like to move vendors. Number one, it's a pain in the butt. Number two, it's a risk, right? Even if, uh -huh. I'm, even if I don't love my vendor, I know what I have and I really don't hundred percent know what I get by moving vendors. But yep. I tell you what, when, when, when all of a sudden pennies start to matter instead of dollars, they're way more open to, to looking at new <laughs> vendors. And if you position yourself ahead of time, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing to do. And, and something else, especially if you answer RFPs, as we head into recession, if you're responding to an RFP and you lose, use this as an opportunity and ask the, the supplier, ask the, 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 the customer, can I be the backup vendor? Because let me tell you what's going to happen probably eight out of 10, I mean, two out of 10 times is the person that won that RFP intentionally lowballed it on price, expecting to make that money back on change orders. And what's going to happen as we head into a recession is those change orders are not going to be approved. So the mm -hmm. guy, the company that won that RFP by lowballing is going to lose money on it. And you can only do that a couple of times during recession before you're bankrupt. Yeah. If you ask to be the backup <laughs> vendor, first thing, nobody ever says no to that because it's, it's a security thing. And I'm telling yeah. you about... Two out of 10 times those RFPs that the, the vendor that won it will stumble and you're right there maintaining contact because you got permission by being the backup. Yeah. And then you can come in with your, your normal margins and make money while your competitors are suffering. No, that is a darn good point. You know, we've, uh, we've, we've lost a bid for a few consultation projects uh, this year. And so I'm always trying to understand, really analyze, like, you know, what, what was it that was the, the differentiating factor, but, I mean, this is a good strategy. It's like, look, great, fantastic. You found who you got. We just want to be a backup. Is it okay if I check in in a month or six weeks to see how the project's going? And then you maintain yeah. that contact. And you're the helpful friend and not the aggressive salesperson. Right. Yeah. So what so else, Kyle? What are, some, what are some other things that, you know, I guess uh, problems that uh, – You've seen companies encounter, you've got a little more experience in this world when when the market uh, tanks. I mean, we all know that the oil and gas world has its ups and downs, but really, what are some of the generating uh, factors for this? I think most of our audience is probably oil and gas anyway. It's not everyone, but about three quarters is. So, like, what really are some of the causes in these fluctuations that cause uh, such cutback on the supply chain for folks? Yeah, so for the for the people that are not in oil and gas, um, I'm not making fun of you for the people that are in oil and gas. 
the recession is not going to even touch us. <laughs> I, I think we're on a 10-year bull run in the industry. The world is going through an energy shortage right now. I called this mm -hmm. last November. Everybody thought I was crazy. And there's nope, no quick solution to it. Nobody can go flip a magic switch and supply the world with energy overnight. It's going to take one to two years to, to bring that supply back up to, to what the demand levels are. Now, if we do have a recession, a global recession, that will limit things like um, – uh, air travel for vacations and stuff, but the demand still could be there. So if you're in the oil and gas industry, the the only thing recessions could do is make it impossible for you to get really good talent. It's going to make it much harder, <laughs> but we're going to be busy. We're going to have jobs. And there's going to be money. Look at what the oh, price good. of a barrel is going for today, right? It's over $100 a barrel. That's going to stay. Now, yeah. if you're not in the oil and gas industry and the recession comes, um, once again, you got, it's almost like, I don't want to say warfare, but it, it's, it's almost like having to deal with having a catastrophic event happened. You got to button down the hatches. You got to watch every freaking penny that's going out the door. Make damn sure you're really good at following cash flow. I'm not. So I have somebody on my team that's really good at that. We're doing forecasts <laughs> six, eight, 12 months out, right? To look at yeah. cash flow. Um, look at yeah. your terms, your contract terms. If your vendors are giving you net 60, I mean, I'm sorry, if your clients are giving you net 60 or next 90, that's okay when you have a lot of business, but you're going to lose some clients in a recession and those contract terms may make or break you. So go back and renegotiate your contract terms. Yep. Once again, offer them a discount. And if you're dealing mm -hmm. with a big company, don't do this through procurement. Procurement is incited to only get the lowest price possible. Yep. Talk to the business guy that signs the contract and go, look, yep. I will give you a price break if you lower your payment terms. And, and they will. We, we do it quite often. So that's sort of stuff. If you're not in the oil and gas industry, you, you just got to make sure you run a lean ship. Um, you make sure you keep your best talent. So every company, especially a small business, has one or two people that are vital to the to the business. You need to figure out how to lock them down in, in an open, fair way. Right. Like other people may be cutting salaries. You, you make your, your rocks or say, look, if you promise to stay on, I won't cut your salary. Everybody else is. And you got to figure it out for your business. But you want to yep. maintain, keep your talent. Cash flow is king. Um, and you want to actually work with your clients because they're going through the same thing that you're going through. Yeah. Right. So if you work together and when we come out of this and remember, folks, you, we always come out of bad times. I know when you're in mm -hmm. it, it's horrible. I've been through it a <laughs> bunch of times myself. That is. But it always gets better. True. And if you it does. Yeah. And if you follow all of this, when you come out, you could be so far ahead of your competitors. <clears throat> they won't be able to catch up. Yep. 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 Nope. I uh, completely agree. I wish uh, prior to COVID, I uh, had learned some of these lessons. We, we could have emerged uh, a lot better than we did, but we are doing better now than ever before. But it, it's because of these basic things is we just sat down and said, what is it that we do well and how can we provide this faster, cheaper and to more people at a higher margin? Now, that sounds yeah. like the, the crazy combo, but these things can be rethought to uh, to, to make sense. So, yeah, uh, COVID was different because we didn't see it coming. Do you remember joking about, oh, yeah. it's like the flu and it's only going to be around for a week or two or three or a month or whatever? Whereas yeah. this recession that's coming our way, we have a lot of lead time. So you have plenty yep. of time to prep your business. The worst thing you can do, though, is act like nothing's happening and keep doing business the same way. That's that's yep. that's a death knoll. Yeah, we had a uh, a big lessons learned meeting near the end of the year last year. And this is something that I would suggest for, for really most anyone out there is get some of the critical people in your company. Now, I don't mean your management team. I mean, get from the guy that's on the floor doing the work. Let them know this is a confidential conversation. 
your top management supervision and say, look, we need to rethink how we do business. Let's throw a thousand ideas up here and let's see what sticks. Let's see what we like. And we sat down and went through it. What are all the problems we've run into? What cost us the most time? Not necessarily the most money. What cost us the most time? You can always make more money. You can't get the time back. Um, so what are some, I guess, uh, some advice you would have for folks that want to go through a planning session like that to say, how could we begin to reinvent ourselves over the next six to 12 months in preparation? Yeah, I love the fact that you talk to your frontline people. If you have a company of more than, say, 10 people, um, at that point, around 10 people is when management starts not being aware of everything that happens day to day. If you want to yep. drive efficiency in your company, talk to your frontline people. They know where it is. And it may be Amen. counterproductive. It may be that you're buying supplies <laughs> from one vendor because it's cheaper, but they're always late, which then yep. makes that whatever you're manufacturing always late. And it's not yep. your frontline people, it's the vendor. Whereas yeah. when the frontline people tells you this and you switch vendors, even though it may be a little cost increase, now you're getting your supplies on time and you're getting your, your manufacturer parts out on time, which makes your companies happy. Yep. So always talk to your frontline people. They're the ones that really know. From a planning point of view, I love what you, what you talked about. I would advise bringing in a third party because let me tell you what happens. So if, if I brought you in, uh, to review my business, you know me and, and you like yeah. me, I guess I'm hoping. Right. Right. And so <laughs> you may not tell me the truth in a way that I need to be told the truth. So you may kind of he and haw around the fact that, that you have too many people on payroll, Mark, and you need to let a couple of people go. Whereas if you yeah. don't know me, you have no problem telling me the, the direct truth. Like you got three people you need to let go. You need to figure out who they are. So I would recommend bringing an independent third party. It doesn't have yeah. to be some contractor that you pay. Find somebody in the business world that's doing well. And it doesn't matter if their business is like yours or not. If they're doing well, they understand how to run a business. So that would be yeah. the, one of the first things. And then and make sure you include the entire team. Um, being transparent when times are rough <clears throat> at, makes people loyal to you. People yeah. – know that bad things happen. People know that they may be laid off, their salary may be cut. What they're worried about is the unknown. If they know mm -hmm. about it, they're much more comfortable with this. So always being transparent with your team, bring the entire team on the planning exercise, and then go through it in a very systematic way. Look at your financials. And, and you know, some companies have small margins and they need to increase that during a recession. Other companies may be prone to losing uh, clients. Other companies may uh, not be able to get what they need from suppliers with this whole supply mm -hmm. chain thing that's still going on. Yep. So you got to figure out for your business, what is your Achilles heel? What is the thing that the recession is going to affect you the most? And focus your efforts on that. Even if you run a large company like ExxonMobil, you really don't have unlimited resources. Although, if I think of any company out there that's closest to having unlimited <laughs> resources, it's probably Exxon. But so you have to focus on where you can move the needle the most. So that, yeah. that would be my, my plan. And then what we do, and we, we're, we're not doing this for the recession. We've done this for eight or nine years now. We have a rolling 18-month plan. So we're always looking at 18 months out, what do we want to accomplish? And it's constantly changing. And then finally, Kyle... The result of this should not be some 40-page PowerPoint deck that everybody agrees upon and claps <laughs> themselves on the back, and they stick yeah. it in a drawer somewhere, and they never address it. Yep. I'd rather you agree upon a one-pager with eight bullet Amen. points on that the entire Amen. team looks at every month or every two weeks or whatever, and and, and, it, and it's going to change. You're not going to get it right the first time. So mm -hmm. th that would be my advice to anybody that's wanting to figure out how to plan for this. 
Nope. Totally agree on everything. And I really, truly hope someone's listening to this and can go back and say, okay, here's what I'm going to get figured out to do next, next week or next month, my team. But, uh, so a couple of things, I was kind of uh, laughing there a little bit when you're talking about get, uh, someone in that's not afraid to tell you the truth. Um, may not have been necessarily my intent, but you know, I've run my business with my wife for a lot of years. Now we're actually trying to phase her out right now. Cause she's wanting to go do her own separate uh, quilting studio. And that's a whole other fun topic, but so we're trying to phase her out now, but at the, the time though, she was still involved in the business. And let me tell you, Darcy, you don't have any issue at all calling me out on something. So that's that worked what, out well. Yeah. That that's what you well. need. And I know Darcy. I, I can see her calling you out on stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so we, uh, I guess, indirectly did that, and we'd also um, uh, contracted with Eternal Energy and Steve Lewis. Who I know, know you know, um, he he did a lot um, to to advise and help us. So we go through these planning sessions, and I get all the ideas that we had, and, and we would we do the one pager. If I can't fit it on one page, it's too complicated. I mean, it's just yep. that's just it. Um, <clears throat> and then I take the one pager to him. Hey, what do you think about this? Da, 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 da. And then we'd revise it. And, and then we've got a workable, workable plan. Um, it, it is funny. So I'm going to give Steve pats on the back too. He's really good at that him and his team. So this is going to end up being a promotion for Steve's company. <laughs> People, <laughs> if, you need, if you need help, you really should talk to him. He's a great guy and he's full yeah. of unbelievable, actual oh, yeah. information. Yeah. And he's very calm, level headed, which is, you know, through, Real, uh, real valuable, especially because I, I tend to like just want to jump and get it done, you know. Um, but uh, no, that, w- that was really, really helpful for us. Um, I, I agree with what you say as well about the the eighteen month rolling plan. It's something that we've started putting into place ourselves since uh, since COVID hit, and it does it changes every time you sit down and review it. And and I think people sometimes feel that's a, a sense of futility that the plan doesn't stay locked in, but. No, that, that means that we're constantly adjusting where we go. Um, I don't know. It might only make sense for folks that like to go hiking or whatnot. But when I go hiking with my oldest son, <clears throat> we purposely leave the trail. We don't want to follow the trail. But that means that you're going this one way and you might be going for half a mile or a mile thinking, all right, man, this is a good way to get there. And then finally you run into a giant circle of briars and like, well, crap. That's bad. So you got to backtrack and try again. And it's really the same type way operating our businesses. We might think this is a great road to go down, but if you're not looking far enough ahead, you're going to get stuck. And so these plans do have to be able to be revised. That's a great analogy because a lot of big corporations do their corporate planning and it's locked in stone. And quite frankly, the planning exercise is what they're trying to complete, not help the business. So once they're done, everybody goes, okay, we're done for the year. We don't have to do this again for next year. (laughs) That is not valuable to anybody or any business. Once again, like Kyle said, you know, you you need to make sure that you're constantly evaluating because the world is changing around you constantly. Mm -hmm. Right. And you may have Mm -hmm. opportunities that you may miss because your plan says not to look to the left. And you also may stumble and actually run into those damn briars and have to hack your way through it, which which eats up time and money. Whereas if you would have known that it was coming, you could have went around it. Exactly. Exactly. And all our listeners, all our listeners up north in the U.S. have no idea what briars are. (laughs) Very thorny, thick vines that will just rip the skin off of you if you try to walk through them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's fun stuff. But you run into those down here a lot. Um, And we might have actually legitimately done that one time. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of other things. No, I think this is good. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, a couple yeah, of what you got? A couple other things to think about. 
So first thing is if you're a company, somebody's selling your stuff, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Most companies have dedicated salespeople. Some company, the the owners are the salespeople. They may not call themselves salespeople, but they are. So remember, the only person that's bringing money in the door is your salespeople. So yeah. you need to make sure not only do you hold on to them, but also don't be afraid to cut your losses if you have a salesperson that's underperforming. Um, that's the sales world. Uh, salespeople are like athletes. You know, there's stats on them. Unlike nobody, nobody stack ranks accountants, right? But your salespeople, your top, your top salespeople, you want to hang on to. And if times get rough and you have people that aren't earning their keep, unfortunately, you have to let them go. Don't yep. diddly dally around that. Do it as quick as possible. The other thing is don't be afraid to not only continue spending money on marketing, but increase your marketing spend. Your competitors are not doing it because they're scared. Nope. And with yep. today's digital marketing world, an extra $100 a month just spent on your marketing can make all the difference in the world. Yep. 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 I totally agree with you there. We're looking at doing the, the same thing here again. I was, was talking with Darcy about it. I'm like, look, I think I'm going to start spending blah, 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 blah on, you know, all of these different marketing uh, materials and online ads and this, that, and the other. She's like, should we really be doing that right now? I'm like, yep. It's about to get tough. The end of the year is coming. We're going to spend the money. And then Kyle, one of the things that I just realized in this conversation, one of the things that you and I are both doing in anticipation of this recession is we're bringing in a new piece of business. We've partnered for mm -hmm. our energy continuity conference. Neither one of us has yes. ever done this. It's an nope. experiment, but what we're both trying to do is not only put on the best show that's ever been put on in the industry, but also Amen. capture a piece of the market that we're weak in. Both of us don't have a yeah. strong presence in downstream. And so nope. we are partnered to minimize that risk, right? Mm -hmm. In anticipation of recession coming and going and capturing a large hunk of revenue that our competitors will not be able to touch. So also don't be afraid to think out of the box. Don't be afraid of yeah. reaching out to other companies that have similar client profiles and say, what can we do together? Minimize yep. the risk, cut the cost for both of us. Let's work together as a team and see if we can knock it out the park. No, absolutely. So yeah, this is a, a fantastic example of that. So it, it's something we've not talked about yet, but the episode we just released, so this is going to be coming out uh, following Monday. <clears throat> you know, I was talking about uh, risk and contingency planning, and, and that's really at the crux of this conference that we're putting together is let's get some real world skills, advice, knowledge, and understanding out there for folks of what do you do when bad stuff happens from a hurricane to what we're talking about now, recession proof in your business. And so it, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And to your point, I think this is something else. A lot of folks didn't talk about. I know it's something you're passionate about is, you know, find someone else, even a direct competitor. How can we work together for a common benefit? And we've started doing that with our software. So we've got a, another uh, a group out there, uh, Oxbridge Resources, with Chris Paris, and, and they're selling our software now. And so it's it's just a fantastic win-win type opportunity. Um, you just 100%. have to, open, you know. So the cool thing about working with your competitors is you know you have the same clients, right? And so yeah. can you can you get deep enough into each other's business to understand if there's a delineation is, is your, if you and your clients are both going after, let's say upstream operators, but, but you go after the project managers and your, your, your competitor goes after the drilling engineers. Well, really y'all could work together and both benefit us. Yeah. Even though you're going after yeah. the same clients and the same type yep. of companies, you're going after yep. different subsets and how better to approach it than partnering. Because I guarantee you, they have relationships that you don't have and you have relationships that they don't have. Yep. 
And we've, we've done that on one of these projects as well as uh, we attacked uh, most of the 9001 piece, just standard quality management. And they, they attacked the 17025 for laboratory management, and it works out well. But again, these are ideas that a lot of folks are real hesitant to try. But honestly, it's worth sitting down, getting a lunch with someone, find who the owner or operator is for one of your competitors. Say, look, I want to get lunch with you. Let, let's, let's talk. What are some options that we might or might not have to work together? If nothing else, we just wasted an hour on good, good food. Well, the, the worst thing that can happen is one of the things I've been preaching for years is that you get to know your competitor a little bit better. That yeah, is not a bad be terrible at all. And your competitor <laughs> is really only, only a competitor if they understand their business better than you do. If you understand your yes. competitor's business better than they do, they're not a competitor. No, I mean, there's, there's I'm not, really, and I'm not saying to go down that route. I'm just saying that no. to your point, the worst thing that yeah. happens is you learn it's, something that's useful to you. Yeah. If you have good intent of going into this, there really is no, no doubt, no real downside. So no, there's, there's a lot here that, uh, that can be done. So I think that's really all I've, uh, I've got to bring up here, Mark, unless you got any other points you want to address. No, I um, I'd, I'd love to come revisit this a year from now and see how oh, well, yeah. see what we got right and see what we got wrong. <laughs> we need to do that. We need to do that. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. So no, I, man, I appreciate your time on here. I always love every chance I get to chat with you. But this right here is is what I think is one of the biggest things that folks can do is get to know other folks who know more than you do about some topic. Talk with them. Get friendly with them. Learn learn something that they know that you don't. And, you know, what is it they say that you're the result of the uh, five people you spend the most time with, right? Yep. If you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find a different room. Um, so hundred yeah, percent. No, th this is, this is good stuff, man. I, I really appreciate it again. I really hope some of the folks listening, uh, can pay attention to some of this and put some things into action. And if you do, we'd love to hear about it. I'd love to get you on the podcast and say, Hey Kyle, we did X, Y, Z and this worked out great for us, or it worked out terrible for us. Either way, it's going to be a fun conversation. So, uh, so let, let, let's talk. Yeah. So let, let's talk and, and go through it. So Mark, thank you again. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Kyle. This was fun. I'm looking forward to continue to work with you. And um, I really do. Let's say a year from now, let's let's come back and revisit this and, I think and see we should. how well we did. It'll be it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of fun to discuss in, man. You you take care, Mark. Uh, you too. All right. Well, that is it for today's episode of Quality Matters Podcast. So if you have not already, obviously like subscribe um leave us a review especially in itunes we love to get the reviews on there love to hear your thoughts if you've got a topic that you want to address more than happy to discuss it and if you're needing help with your management systems your quality assurance compliance management don't be afraid to reach out to us texas quality assurance we also have tons of free information on the website no strings attached, editable documents, helpful articles. I want to make certain that folks have the information and tools they need to do their job and to do it well. And especially with the downturn that we're all predicting is coming. So you guys, I hope you have a great day. Hope you found something useful here and we love to hear from you soon. Take care.